0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who solves our biggest problem. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we started off today with a question. The question was, what is your biggest temptation? And maybe you've had a little bit of time to process that. Maybe you've had a little bit of time to think about what that biggest temptation is for you. Is that biggest temptation some form of gluttony? Is it, I I just love chocolate too much, or I love fried food, or I love sweet stuff, or I, I love something else, just a little bit too much? Or is that temptation, the temptation to gossip, is it the temptation to judge other people and try to bring other people into that judgment of other people? Is your temptation to be envious, to say, I really wish that I was like that person or had that person's stuff? Is your temptation something other than that? Is your temptation lust? Is your temptation greed? Is your temptation something completely different? Whatever that temptation is, it's probably something that you're very aware of as you go throughout your life. We all have these sort of weak points in our souls where we go, yep, that's my Achilles heel. If I I give in to even the least little bit of that temptation, I know that I'm going to go all the way. And so we we try to guard ourselves against those things. We try to set things up, little crutches, little patches that will try to keep those things at least at bay a little bit. At least for most of us. Some of us are still in that mode where we're like, yeah, that's my temptation and I am not stopping it for anything. (laughs) But we all know those temptations, those things that we go, I'm trying to deal with this. The playwright Oscar Wilde, who was kind of a libertine sort of guy, didn't really ever, it seems, say, I'm not going to do that. Oscar Wilde said, I can resist anything except temptation. Sometimes that's the way it feels for us, is how do I resist this temptation And, and what is all of this temptation really all about. Why do I have to experience this? Especially after I become a Christian, why do I have to experience all of this temptation into acting like maybe not a Christian? Why do I have to, as a baptized child of God, wrestle with these moments... Moments like the moments that I maybe just confessed when we were doing confession and absolution where I've actually fallen into those things. Where I haven't loved God with my whole heart. Where I have been a poor, miserable sinner. Where I haven't loved my neighbor as myself. We maybe wonder, like, what, why? Why doesn't God just take all of that temptation and say, no more? I mean, that would be an awesome selling point for Christians, I think. We would say, hey, yeah, you come here, no more temptation. No more problems with that stuff that you don't want to do anymore. I think a lot of people would flock to the Christian church in that case and be like, sign me up. I'm good. Yeah, I'm, and maybe it would take some people some time to actually be willing to say, I'm willing to give up that temptation. But I think eventually we would get to a point where people were like, yeah, I want to get rid of this. I don't want this to be a part of my life anymore. But we continue on with temptation. And we continue on with a lot of suffering in our Christian lives. Which is what our sermon series this Lent is going to be all about. It's... Entitled Wounded. If you look at the front of your bulletin, you see there's a little band-aid cross there. And there's this sense of being in this Lent where we are wounded. Where we, we've got this wound that we're dealing with. We've got this stuff that we're dealing with. And maybe... Temptation is is a poignant wound for you, and maybe it's something else that we're going to be discovering this Lent. But there's a reality about living through this Christian life that there's moments where this isn't easy. And it's good, but maybe it's not easy. And that's difficult for us because there's something in us. There's something that maybe harkens back to a day before Adam and Eve sinned inside of our souls. There's something in our cells that maybe reaches back to some kind of weird muscle memory of the cell that says there should be a way that I can just do the good stuff and have that be easy. But after the fall into sin, we're left in this place where doing the good stuff is actually the most difficult stuff in the world. There's a popular artist out there right now named, named Jason Isbell. And Jason Isbell writes this song about how he learned some of, his le- some of these lessons from his father. And one of the lessons that he learned from his father is that if it's good, it's probably the hardest thing to do. Well, that's, that's what it's like for us. It's hard to do the good stuff. It's easy to fall into temptation. It's easy to fall into the bad stuff, into the evil stuff, into the wicked stuff. It's easy to fall into the seven deadly sins. It's hard to achieve the seven virtues. I bet you didn't even know that was a thing. Wiki it. It's hard. But it's a part of our Christian lives. And it's a meaningful part of our Christian lives if we look at it. Through a certain lens. And that certain lens is the lens of Jesus. That lens of this Son of God who came to live our experience. And who came realistically to live our experience for us. So that when we hear in Mark 1... That Jesus came and that He was driven out into the wilderness where He was tempted by Satan. That He's doing that for us. That He's doing that in order to establish us, in order to make us people that are called by His name. Now, I love the Gospel according to Mark. And part of the reason that I love the gospel according to Mark is that it's short. It's the shortest gospel. You can actually sit down and read it in a couple of hours or have it read to you. But because it's so short, it it seems like it skips over some stuff, right? It seems like it maybe even skips over some important stuff, some stuff that you maybe even know about this story that you're patting yourself on the back about. You're like, hey, I know that there's more to this story. (laughs) And for those of you that don't know that there's more to this story, you're like, oh, I'm kind of shameful right now. That's okay. Go and read the Gospels. But you you know that there's more to the story. You know that there's kind of this interchange between Jesus and Satan, where Satan tries to throw temptations at him, and, and he's like, "Hey, Jesus, are you hungry? We'll turn these stones into bread." And Jesus fires back with scripture. He actually fires back with scripture every time that Satan tries to tempt him. But Mark doesn't include any of that. Mark is just like, ah, unimportant. Let's keep moving. He's like, all of that detail stuff, whatever. And so Mark actually just goes, yeah, Jesus went out into the wilderness. He was tempted. That's important. All of this stuff around it, not so. But then he sort of slows down, and and he includes something that is not included in any of the other Gospels. And it shows you that Mark feels that that is the important thing. And so Mark is like, yeah, that little bit about Jesus turning stones into bread, not so important. The important thing in Mark's telling is that Jesus comes out of that experience, like a man on a mission. That Jesus comes out of that experience and He walks into town completely changed by the experience and given a moment of urgency because He has experienced now the temptation that we feel. So that when you're tempted by the things that you're tempted by, When you're tempted by the things that you brought up in your head, when I ask you that question about what is your biggest temptation, that Jesus has experienced that level of temptation for you on your behalf so that he can bring it to the cross and kill it on the cross. And so Jesus comes out of that experience and he says, now is the time the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And he's got this mission where he's like, look, this is taken care of. But there's something new. Because Jesus has taken care of your temptation. That's not the wound that you're afraid of your own falling into sin. Because Jesus has already said, fall into sin. However many times you want, I'll be right there to forgive it. The wound that we bear in temptation is not a wound that worries about ourselves. It's a wound that worries about everyone else around us. That was very clear to this guy named Bill Wilson. It's kind of weird telling his story because I had a pastor in my past who was named Bill Wilson. Different guy. But Bill Wilson had a problem. Bill Wilson's problem was alcohol. Bill Wilson actually studied to be a lawyer, even got his degree all ready to go. But they refused him. They they refused to give him his diploma because he showed up the morning of graduation so drunk that he couldn't walk up the steps to grab his diploma and they said that's not the kind of lawyer that we want out there and so Bill Wilson went elsewhere he started selling stocks but pretty soon that fell apart too because Bill Wilson selling stocks meant that Bill Wilson was going out for drinks with people and people pretty soon started figuring out hey Bill Wilson can't handle his alcohol Bill Wilson was getting in trouble time and time and time again because of his drinking In fact, he even ended up getting hospitalized in 1935 for his alcoholism. And that's when he met a doctor. A doctor who would help him create a way to keep away from the temptation of alcohol. Because the problem was that Bill Wilson had been doing this all for himself up until this point. But he and this doctor came up with this plan. This plan that they would call Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was going to be a bunch of people who had the same temptation, who got together and said, we're all fighting this temptation together. Let's tell our stories. Let's forgive one another. Let's love one another. Let's challenge one another. And out of that, birthed the best treatment for alcohol that we have in our day even today. That's what Jesus does with us. Jesus says, You're my body. When we are baptized into His name, When we receive His body and blood and communion, He says, you're my body. I'm going to gather you all together and you're going to be my body. You're going to be my image to this world. You're going to be my hands and my feet. And those hands and those feet, they're going to be wounded. They're going to bear the marks of temptation. They're going to bear the marks of struggle and of suffering because the people that are outside there who need to come in also bear those marks. And we need to show those marks that we have fallen into temptation and that we know a God who has forgiven us, who has brought us into himself, who has taken our temptation upon himself and has taken it to that cross and has killed it, has made it so that it won't bother us anymore, so that we can go out as healthy people into this world. Healthy people that are still tempted, just like any alcoholic and alcoholic synonymous is, but healthy. To go out there and to be sponsors and to say, I know what you're going through. I've been there too. And I love you just the same. Because that's what Jesus says to us every time we fall into temptation. Temptation. So now may you this week recognize your wounds that are found in those moments when you're tempted. And may you see beyond yourself. May you see yourself as a part of a body that is proclaiming the kingdom of God and announcing repentance and the gospel to a world that needs so badly to hear it. And may you do so as a wounded healer Amen, Amen. Please